Welcome to Dad Up, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, I hope you enjoy listening. Please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. My guest today on Dad Up is Pastor Paul Doherty. He is the lead pastor of a very large congregation in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Victory. His church was originally founded by his parents, so he was raised in the church. However, as a young man, his father was diagnosed with cancer and passed very quickly thereafter. It hit Pastor Paul very hard, and as he said goodbye to his father, he felt it in his heart that God wanted him to step up and lead his church. At the young age of 29 years old, he took on the role to lead the congregation of 11,000 members. He acknowledges that one of the biggest challenges of stepping into the leadership role is continuing to struggle with his own insecurities as a leader and speaking and follower of Christ. In our conversation, Pastor Paul shares that with four young kids, his patience is tested daily. He has to learn to manage his patience day in and day out. Even with realizing that managing his patience is a challenge, he also realizes that being a parent is fun, and as parents, we have to enjoy the journey. He also shares that he wants his kids to know that you should do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Please welcome Pastor Paul Doherty to Dad Up. Well, Pastor Paul, thank you very much for joining me on Dad Up. I appreciate it. Hey, man, we are honored. I'm honored to be a part of it. I love I love talking dad life, so this is fun for me. <laughs> well, cool. Um, it's funny. You, you um, we're going to talk all about dad stuff, but I, I got to say, you you posted something yesterday or the other day uh, about uh, helping out on your on your son's basketball team. Yes, sir. As the assistant coach, or the assistant to the assistant to the assistant. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the white fruit. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get into that, but I, I love that post. So, um, but do me a favor. Um, you know, you and I haven't never met and, and I probably have some listeners that don't know much about you. So if you could just kind of tell me your testimony, your backstory, your, 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 a little bit about your life and, um, about your church and also about your uh, family and your kids. Yeah, totally. So grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, born in 1985. Um, by the time I was born, I was the youngest of four kids. My parents had started their church already. Um, when they, when they started their church in 1981, it quickly grew and, uh, to several thousand people. Um, before I was born, they were already, you know, seeing three to 4,000 people every week come to church and then 5,000. And, and so it was one of those fast growing churches in the eighties and through the nineties. And, um, so kind of grew up in that big environment. Uh, with my older brother and sisters and watching my dad preach and watching him, you know, he started a Bible college university and then a Christian school that we grew up in, um, a camp out in like the, the wilderness of Oklahoma for kids camps, youth camps, and then a dream center. So he was kind of like this visionary leader um, mm-hmm. and grew up having just incredible dad moments with him. I felt like he was the real deal off the stage. He was like, just, I mean, everyone used to say that about my dad, that he, he wasn't just a good speaker. He was a good liver. He lived his life. He lived what he preached. Um, in fact, they said he lived a better life than the sermons he preached. And I felt that as a kid. So that kind of always stirred in me the desire that one day I would be able to, you know, lead by example with my kids and show them that, um, you know, that, that dads can be, uh, good at home and not just good at, at the job. And so, um, 
anyways, yeah, going on, going on trips with him, going on all that stuff. And, and then in 2009, right as I was getting married, uh, my dad had cancer and it kind of shocked our whole family, our church. And, um, at that time, you know, our church had just got done building a, a 5,000 feet sanctuary. It was kind of like we had been a mobile church for a long time and we had met in a gym and met in a large, you know, arena in the city. And so we finally built that and then he died suddenly, um, just a, a quick, aggressive lymphoma cancer. Mm. And so that kind of rocked my world. Um, and that happened literally three weeks after I got married. Um, so he performed our wedding and then three weeks later he passed away. And, um, yeah, so that was crazy. And so like our first few months of marriage, my dad died, my grandpa died, my wife's grandpa died. Oh my God. I mean, there was like four funerals in our first few months of marriage. That was crazy. And then fast forward the night he passed, I felt in my heart. Um, I was in the hospital, MD Anderson, just in Texas, holding my dad's hand, crying, praying that, you know, he would come back to life and, watching the EKG monitor flatline. And I heard God say, your dad ran his race. And I didn't hear God say this audibly, but I just felt it in my heart. felt like God was talking to my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like God was saying, your dad ran his race. It's time for you to run yours. Um, And I felt like God was saying, serve your mom, serve the church and get ready because you're going to pass through these people. Well, at that time I was 23, actually just turned 24. um, And, you know, the church was, 11,000 people every week and, and this massive 500 employees, all these organizations connected to the church, the dream center, the camp, the school, the university. So I definitely am like, no, I don't think that's me, God, you know, that's right. going to be someone else. That's going to be one of my dad's assistants or some other preacher that, you know, comes in town or maybe my older sisters and their husband or something. Um, but sure enough, you know, over the next five years, the board kind of, um, that we walk, we walked through a transition season. My mom helped oversee the church with kind of a team of um, preachers and teachers, but she kind of sat at the role of, of president of the board and, and overseer um, until I turned 29. And she handed the baton to me and she said, you know, your dad never told you this, but he saw you one day becoming the future pastor. And I was like, wow, you know, I felt it in my heart. I feel called to do this. And, and during that time, I had already been serving in the church, finished college. You know, when you're a pastor's kid, you're just free labor. So I kind of grown up working for free for my dad and mom, you know. Right. And, uh, and I was a janitor and I was a youth pastor and I was kind of all the roles. Um, so anyways, yeah, stepped into that. And that first year that we stepped in as pastors, we had our first kid. Um, and now five years later, we've had four kids. So it's just been back to back to back. Wow. Uh, but in 2000, 2014 is when we stepped in and that's when we had Liam. And in 2015, we had Benaya. And then 2016, we had a miscarriage. And then in 2017, we had Mac. And then just six months ago, we had Ellie. So we've got four kids and, um, God's been faithful and, it's fun and crazy. <laughs> so what do you, what do you think was the biggest challenge for you uh, stepping in to that role as the lead pastor? I mean, you're still uh, fairly young. Uh, you've got a brand new family or starting a brand new family. And uh, that's a lot of responsibility for someone to step into that role. And especially for someone like you, that's just, you know, over years earlier, just gone through some serious tragedies. 
Um, what kind of challenges did you, did you face? Yeah, man, I would say definitely like all the challenges of a, a 20 something or early thirties, you know, for a male, I think, um, I, I, I think, Every guy has their, their challenges, whether it's um, anger or lust or pride or fear or insecurities. It all comes knocking on the door of every man's heart. Um, in, in, inadequacy, you know, feeling like, man, I'm too young for this. I'm, I'm not, not as gifted as my dad. I can't wear his shoes. Um, and so I would say insecurity was my, has been a huge battle I had to fight. Um, and then I think... With that, couple with that, you know, um, when you have all the, the people that God's asking you to help lead, and then you're also trying to lead your children and lead yourself, right. um, you, you get you get frustrated with your own. Like for me, I get frustrated sometimes thinking, man, I should be further along. I should be, um, I should be a better speaker. I should be better at leading meetings. So you get impatient with yourself when right. you set goals and you're not hitting all those goals. And so... For me, it's been a journey of just one, um, embracing the fact of, of insecurity that, you know, there is a side of that that can serve well. There's another side of that that can serve as a massive, you know, detriment. And so just continuing to bring my insecurities to God, um, with my wife and invite her on the journey of learning to, you know, um, be who God's called us to be, wear our own shoes. And then on the patient side, just, yeah, just giving giving myself that mercy that God gives all of us, um, realizing that it's a process and we're gonna we're gonna get where God wants us to get to. It may not happen as fast as we want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the meantime, just learning to to stay broken and stay humble and go to the altar and you know. I always right. tell our church I'm preaching, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to respond to this message at the altar call. So if anyone else wants to join me, you know, come, come with me. Cause right. uh, I feel like everything that I'm reading in the Bible is speaking to me that I need to grow in that area. I need to surrender more in my area. So. Right. Well, cool. Well, first of all, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm truly sorry for all the loss that you guys went through um, in your early stages of marriage. And I mean, it must've been just a, just a traumatic time for you guys, and I and I do, and I am sorry for that. But on the flip side, I congratulate you in, in stepping into that role, that leadership role, and and, it, and based on what I know about you and what I've heard, um, you've done a fabulous job. So I commend you for that. Man, thank you, thank you, Brian. Um, so getting into kind of segueing into the whole dad thing, um, what do you enjoy most about being a dad? Oh man, I would say. I'd say just savoring the moments where we're hanging out together, you know, last mm-hmm. night, just tucking them into bed, then asking me to tell them another story, um, even though I'm super tired. And in the moment, I'm like, uh, I just want to go to bed right now. I'll sit there and, you know, both right now we're in this stage. We've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old. And so the, the three ones that can talk they're saying every day, they're saying, I love you, daddy. I love you, daddy. <laughs> and so those things, man, having those moments where they're just talking to me and telling me how much they love me and telling me about their, their thoughts and ideas. Um, it's hilarious because they just say crazy stuff. But I would say I just, I love savoring those moments of, 
um, going on drives with them, doing fun stuff together, um, you know, sitting in the, in the living room and wrestling with each other. So I don't know. I, I just gave you 20 answers. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't narrow it. No, no, that's cool. They, you know, the giving those moments for sure. And I got to tell you something, I, just my own experience, I, I have two boys and my oldest is 21 and my youngest is 18 and my 18 year old is about to graduate high school in a couple months. And I was sitting at the school. Uh, this is just, uh, this is just a couple weeks ago. I was sitting at the school and he was getting ready to start um, basketball practice. And he comes over to me and out of the blue, he just said, dad, I love you. And I just, it's just those moments, uh, just, you know, melt you. And even at 18 years old, a young man, you know, about to step out into the world and just come up and tell you that it's just those moments, those, those moments you savor forever. So that's, yes. that's, that's cool. That now you have four young children. You, you stepped into this role, uh, years back as a lead pastor. What are some of the challenges as a dad um, that you face? Yeah, I would say um, <laughs> I would say just probably, uh, man. I, I think I think the struggle for me is knowing when to know knowing how to manage all the responsibilities at the church that are constantly on my mind or buzzing my phone um, and, and managing that to the best of my ability at the same time, recognizing that my kids and my wife, that's my first ministry. And so it's that, it's that desire to be balanced, you know, and I heard one pastor, he said, you know, balance is a impossible thing. Um, because he said, you're in certain seasons, you're going to be all in with your family. When you're on family vacation, there's no balance. You're not working. You're just with your family. And then right. there's certain times where you're at a church conference and you're not with your family. You're just completely with the church and you're, you're taking care of all the needs. So he was trying to make sense of the fact that trying to live a balanced life every day is kind of possible, but maybe having a balance in your whole year where there's going to be seasons where there's a higher stress a higher load of responsibility at the church and then certain times in the year where there's a higher you know time where you're focusing on your kids and when you're at a game you're with your kids when you're you know um coaching them basketball you're with your kids but when you're at the church you gotta you gotta basically so that's what i'm trying to do i I would say it's hard because i get phone calls when i'm with my kids and i end up answering it or i end up you know texting our team on stuff and next thing I know I'm I'm checked out during the moment when I should be checked in with my kids and so I have to I have to get better at that. Um and then I'd say my other thing is just walking in patience. I mean with four little toddlers, they they tug at my patience every day. Right. Um even this morning when I was dropping off our kids at school, we pull up and we've got two minutes to get into our school building. And I'm like, okay, guys, time to get out of daddy's truck, you know, and they are just taking their time, just <laughs> literally like talking to each other. I'm like, hey, we are here. Take off your seatbelt and let's get out, you know, and they're like, but daddy, we just want to sit here. And I'm like, guys, it's cool. You know, it's kindergarten, but they need to be on time, especially when my, when, when the teacher tells me 
that they've been late too many times, you know? Right. So they just, you know, they're kids. So I have to learn how to be patient and just leave earlier. And uh, so that way there's less, you know, stressful moments trying to get them into school on time. Well, that's good stuff. We just want to sit here for a little while longer, Dad. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, they're just taking their sweet time, just playing games in the back seat. And I'm like, we have got to get into church. We got to get into right. school. Well, both my, I, I hate to break it to you, Pastor, but both my boys are older and they still test my patience to this day. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a lifelong patience journey for me. Right, right. A lot of prayers. <laughs> um, so how did, how did your life change when you became a dad? Oh man, I lost all my, my time. I lost all my, my rights. I lost my ability to sleep in and, uh, to sleep. You know, this morning, our six-year-old climbs in our bed at 3 a.m. in the morning and he thinks it's time to wake up. And I'm like, no, it's time to go to sleep. I'm like, go back to your bed. But I was too tired to walk him to his room because I was just out of it. I was totally out. And so my, my wife, she was also out of it. Because she had got done feeding our six-month-old, you know, midnight. Right. Um, and so, oh, man. So we just let him lay there. So he's sleeping between us. And he's kicking us through the night. And I'm like, I am not getting any sleep. I'm, my eyes are closed, but I am not. I'm not getting the adequate amount of sleep right now. So I think since becoming a dad, you know, less sleep, um, less selfish time, less, you know, just doing whatever we want. Um, but at the same time. Those are the cons. The pros are, man, so much more fun, so much more laughter, so much more mm-hmm. meaningfulness to life. Um, mm-hmm. And realizing that, man, I, you know, I have people in my life that don't have kids right now on purpose. They're like, no, we don't want kids. And I'm like, right. okay. And I'm like, if you only knew how selfish you were and how much joy you would have on the other side of either adopting a kid or having kids because they, that could have kids, um, you know, world, your world changes for the better, even though it's harder, it just changes and it just feels so much more fulfilling, um, having these kids, you know, and, and having them for the, the journey with Ashley and I. So, yeah, that's, um, it's, it, it's true. And, you know, you lose your time, but at the same time, there's all that time you're gaining with your kids. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it, I mean, it's just, it's awesome. So, um, enjoy it. Your kids are young, but now two of them are playing basketball, correct? That's right. And you're the assistant to the assistant to the assistant to the assistant. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I am, I am the third guy. Actually, no, I'm the fourth guy. There, there's a head coach, <laughs> there's an assistant, and then there's a, a second assistant. I'm the third assistant. And so okay. I am, I'm having fun. I am just, playing with them, doing the drills and, you know, my, here's the thing, our four-year-old, so they're playing up. They're playing on a first grade team, but they're in kindergarten. They're allowing my K4 and K5-year-old to play with the first graders. So yeah. these kids are good. I mean, there's one kid on the team, and I'm telling you, this kid is going to go into the NBA. He is, like, so good. And it makes my kids look, like, terrible. It makes my kids look like they have no clue what they're doing. Um, because they're so much younger and just inexperienced. And so I have to hold up the four-year-old to even shit to hit the rim. Um, but he has fun. He gets out there and he just starts picking his boogers and sits down yeah. and screams <laughs> funny things. So it's a good time. 
Now, did you did you play sports? Did you play basketball or anything? I did. I played basketball, football, track, tennis, cross country, soccer, all of it. Um, and uh, I was only, I would say I was only really good at basketball. That was kind of my good sport in cross country. I would, I would compete and win cross country. I like to run. Um, but yeah, I was never like one of those incredible athletes that could have gone to college. Um, but for basketball, I, I had fun and I played and started and enjoyed it. It was, yeah, it was definitely something I loved doing all through elementary, middle school and high school. Well, cool. Well, you, with four kids, it's good, it would be kind of tough to coach them all. Um, but, you know, my two boys, I coached them in um, baseball, basketball, and football since they were four years old. Uh, I have wow. been, uh, I have been on 99, I'm the head coach on 99% of the teams that they've been on. Uh, it's just, it was one of those things that was important to me as a dad. Uh, I wanted to be involved. And at the same time, I wanted to have that one-on-one time with them. Um, so yeah. if you have the opportunity coach as long and as much as you can, um, I am currently the assistant coach on my younger son's varsity basketball team at the high school. So I'm day, still as coach. So, uh, it's something that is uh, important to me and it's something they never forget. You know, these guys, my yeah. boys go into their older ages and they'll remember that dad was always the coach. He was always with them. So um, mm. that's cool. It's that time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, your six-year-old, is he, um, I know they can be kind of a challenge at times. Younger kids can be kind of a challenge. And now you're kind of a coach on, on their team. Um, how do you handle discipline? <clears throat> yeah, so... We believe in the paddle, and um, we—I was raised. My mom and dad, you know, they thanked me growing up, and uh, so I know it's kind of like controversial these days. Like some parents believe in it, some parents don't. Mm-hmm. I think with boys, it's different. I mean, right now we've got a baby girl; she's six months old, so I think it's going to be different with her. But with boys, it's like um, one boys just. What we realized, we got three boys, and you know this with your two older boys. Growing up, my mom and dad um, did not have as much problems with my sisters as they did with me and my brother. Uh, we were just more rowdy. We were more violent. We were more. We were more aggressive. We were more, um, you know, combative physically, <laughs> and. Right. Uh, and so if you told me to go sit in timeout, I, I could sit in timeout, um, but it probably wasn't going to impact me as a kid the way that, you know, getting a spanking on the booty would. And yeah. um, so, so you know, when we got spankings, it, it kind of helped us. Like, I, I actually told my mom and, and my dad before he passed, and said, you know, I just want to say thank you because um, some of my friends grew up without any discipline. And they are, they are not where they need to be in life right now in their twenties. Um, and, and so I just said, man, thank you for, thank you for correcting us when John and I were wrong. In fact, I remember my brother got spanked when he was 15 years old and, uh, and he was like, dad, no one gets a spanking when they're a teenager, <laughs> you know? And he was like, he's like, this is ridiculous, you know? And, uh, but you know, but like, 
here's the thing, John, my brother and I, we, we got into some trouble. And, um, at the same time, we, today, we both serve together in ministry. We both, um, uh, you know, are, I feel like doing a, a great job with what God's called us to do. But I also think it comes back to my parents correcting us when we were wrong. And we watched other pastors' kids that, you know, um, they just got away with stuff. And, and my dad was the opposite. He, in fact, he told our children's church pastors, he told our teachers, because our, our church has a Christian school that we grew up at, and he told our teachers, he said, I want you to be um, extra strict with my kids to make sure they don't get away with anything. I want people to know that the Darty boys don't get away with anything, that they're going to mm-hmm. have the same punishment as everyone else, if not even held to a higher standard. And at first that bothered me. I was like, why is he doing that? You know? Um, but now I'm like, okay, it led to some healthy things in my life that, you know, I look back on and I go, thank you. Um, because I, I probably would have lived with more entitlement if he didn't correct me or hold me to a higher standard. Right. Yeah. Um, you're right. And regardless of what type of discipline a parent provides, um, it is important. Kids need discipline. They need structure. Um, I mean, the yeah. Bible teaches the Bible teaches that discipline and structure. So um, it, it's very important that kids have the discipline structure. Otherwise, they're going to go down that wrong road, and they're going to they're going to have the life that that is not a, a, a solid or good uh, life to have, especially with the um, improper foundations that they were were raised on. So um, yeah, this is yeah. cool. And- yeah, and I think, like you said, every type of discipline is for each parent is different. One thing that we realized is um, with our six-year-old, a one way of discipline we also have tried is the loss of a privilege, um, the mm-hmm. loss of something that he would that he was looking forward to. And when we say, "Hey, look, because you disobeyed, you disrespected mommy, um, you hit your brother, <laughs> you you know, you did some things you shouldn't have done." Um, you're not going to get to, uh, you know, you're not going to get to do this thing that you were looking forward to doing. You're not going to get to um, have that treat that you were looking forward to having. Um, and so it kind of caused him to go, oh, man. Yeah, I realized yeah. I was wrong. I missed it. And we, we try to teach them the power of saying, I'm sorry. I forgive you. Um, I was wrong because we want them to know that they're never, you know, never too big to say sorry. Right. All right. And that's excellent. Now, when it comes to social media, I'm sure your kids are probably a little young. Maybe your six-year-old might might be exposed to it a little bit uh, through, um, I, you know, I don't know, an iPad or something. Um, do you guys have social media that, that you allow the kids to, to view or do you have kids, kid, kid apps or something that they're playing with? So they're definitely too young for social media. Um, we let them do at least for our what we have decided we let them use um our phones to play games and so the games that we have on our phones are like we have lego it's kind of a fun little kids game they can play on the phone we have um like a few other small uh, non-violent type of games you know and and here's my thing on violence with with kids at this age um i was at i was picking my kid up from an after school program um, and when I was there, I was just talking to some of the other kids because I had some time to spare. So my kids, they were tying their tennis shoes, putting their backpacks on. And a couple of the other kids came up. They said, Hey, Pastor Paul. 
I said, hey, and they said, you know, we go to your church. And I was like, awesome. And they were like, how come Liam doesn't play Fortnite? And I was like, oh, now, now tell me what Fortnite is. Because I'm like, I'm 30. I just turned 34. I said, I'm 35. I, I, I don't play these games and my kids are really young. And, and right now we don't have them doing the video games at the house. And this kid is like probably seven years old. And he's like, oh, it's awesome. You know, you kill people and stuff. And I was like, okay, I don't want my six-year-old playing this right now. Maybe when he gets older, um, we'll allow him to play those kinds of games. I just feel like, you know, man, you only have these seasons once. It's not like we're going to get these seasons back. And I just want to make sure that, and maybe I'm strict, but I just want to make sure that whatever he's playing on my phone is is teaching him things that I want him to learn. And, um, you know, so we have games that are like problem solver games, games that help him to think hard and solve a problem. And um, we want to, we want to teach him that, that he can be a solutionist and that he can fix things. So we've got Bob the Builder type of games on there. And we let him watch some PBS um, app on the phone. So he's watching certain TV shows. But I was, one day I was walking into the room and he was watching Daniel Tiger and the entire show, you know, Daniel Tiger is like, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm mad, you know. It's teaching Daniel Tiger how to deal with his emotions. But I noticed the next day, my six-year-old was literally just saying everything he heard Daniel Tiger say. And I was like, hey, Liam, we don't have to give in to our feelings. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to always announce that we feel angry, mad, and sad. And so, you know, we, we're, we're trying to figure out as we're watching the shows or games, we're trying to figure out what do we want our kids saying and doing. Right. Um, and let's monitor that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, uh, it's kind of um, interesting with that kid. Oh, the first thing out of his mouth is, oh, it's a cool game where you kill people. Um, it's that, that kind of, um, you know, those games, those games can be, can be, um, uh, risky, especially for young, younger kids. Um, but that's good that you guys are monitoring what they're doing and, and, you know, the simple games are are always fun or the learning games are always fun for them. So, um, well, very cool. Um, your kids, you followed in your dad's footsteps. Do you want the Mm -hmm. same for your kids? I want my kids to do what they love to do. So, you know, right now my six-year-old, he says probably once a week, he says, I'm going to be an architect smarty. And I'm like, what's an architect smarty? And he's like, it's a, it's a smarty guy who can, you know, build stuff and create stuff. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm trying to encourage him in whatever it is, whether it's being an architect, it, right now, our church is building a new building, so they're watching this whole construction happen these, right. this last 12 months. They're watching the concrete being poured and things being built up. And right now, they're both really intrigued by construction. They love the idea of building something. So they um, like Bob the Builder, both, too. <laughs> say what? They like Bob the Builder, too. So That's right, Bob the Builder. Yeah, so I, man, honestly, as long as they do something that is good, I am happy. And I feel like whether that's, you know, whether that's being a teacher, a coach, a dentist, a doctor, an architect, just do it for the glory of God. Um, and, and if they decide one day they want to preach or pastor, I'd be, I'd be excited about that. But at the same time, you know, I just don't want them to feel like they have to. Right. 
Uh, we always want our kids to do what uh, what makes them happy. I mean, my oldest son right now, he's he's going to school for at Grand Canyon University for uh, entrepreneurial studies. Uh, he doesn't want to work for anybody else. He wants to do his own thing. And probably in the fitness industry, because uh, he's really big in the fitness. But you know, I want him to do what he wants to do that will make him happy and that he's passionate about. I don't want him to settle. So uh, he, he's kind of stressed because he's graduating and in, in, he'll be graduate six months early. So he'll graduate in December and he's a little stressed and he doesn't quite know what he's going to do yet. And I told him, I said, dude, you're 21. Relax. You have plenty of time. You'll, you'll get it figured out, you know? So mm-hmm. um, just be passionate about it. And it's something that you love to do and you're passionate about. And as long as it's legal and ethical, I'm all for it. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. As long as it's legal and ethical. Yeah. Um, all right. So, what do you wish you knew before you had kids that you know now? Say that again. What do you wish you knew before you had kids that you know now? Oh man, I think. <laughs> so before we had kids, I had this picture in my head from Father the Bride. Um, part two, when they're driving down the road and they're looking at kids, you know, eating ice cream, playing cash with their parents. And it's like beautiful sunshine, happy moments. And then they look on the other side of the street and there's a kid screaming at his mom, throwing down his ice cream cone, <laughs> another kid running away from his dad. And it's like, they're having these you know, different pictures in their mind of, uh, parenting. And honestly, I had this picture growing up that it was just going to be us playing catch, happy, smiling, perfect, sunny days. Um, and I felt like I was rudely awakened, um, uh, probably two and a half to three years ago when our firstborn was like three and our second one was at that time, one and a half. And then Ashley had just, was just giving birth uh, or pregnant with our third. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, this is not like I imagined. This is a lot more hard work, a lot more right. diaper changing, stinkiness all through the house and tears and con- like there's just loud. It's so loud. Um, and I, was, I guess I would say I wish that I would have known that all of that was going to shift because it could have helped me be more um, ready for it. But, you know, you're never fully ready for anything. So, right. And uh, it's going to continue shifting as you uh, as you get older and, and the kids grow up a little bit. Uh, it's going to continue shifting. <laughs> yes, that's what uh, people keep telling me. They're like, right. this will pass, and the next season you will wish back for the old days when they were yep. dreaming and baby. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> if you if you had the secret to raising good kids and you had to share it with me, what would uh, what would what would that secret be? Well, one, I don't have a secret, but, um, man, I don't know. I just think everyone has to do what they feel in their heart. Um, I think at the end of the day, when someone has a relationship with Jesus and they're reading their Bible and they're trying their best to honor God as a mom, as a dad, I think it's great. Um, to me, that's going to lead to, that's going to lead to success. Like to me, I define success as obedience. That's it. Like success is just obedience. It's not, it's not, it's not raising a 4.0 student. 
It's not, you know, getting your kids into the greatest college or getting them to be professional athletes. At the end of the day, like, did I obey God? Did I read the Bible? Did I teach my kids biblical values? Did I teach them how to love and forgive and serve and walk in humility? And did I model that? Not just say it. Did I show them? The one thing, I, you know, Ashley and I are trying to do is model for uh, apology and forgiveness. So there's been times where, where my kids have watched me um, get impatient. And, you know, I have come back to them and said, hey, daddy was wrong and I am sorry. And I want you guys to know that, that I, I don't want to be like that. Please forgive me. And they're like, oh, daddy, it's okay, you know. And and, um, and some people would say you should never apologize to your five-year-old, never apologize to your kid because then you lose respect. But I, I guess for me, I want my kids to know no matter how old they get, they're never too old to say sorry. And I, right. I think we watch this right now in government and politics with leaders and presidents that don't know how to say sorry. And I'm like, man, if you say something you shouldn't say, don't have this right. big ego and pride that you can't come down and say, Hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. That's, that's not how we treat people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, man, it's not a secret. I think it's just the golden rule doing to others as you would want them to do unto you. And, And as we continue to do our best, um, whether it's, you know, discipline or family time or, um, doing our best to be present, put our phones down, I'm praying that it's going to lead to great results and our kids will love Jesus and love people and, you know, use their life for God's glory. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I love that you said um, success is, is, is obedience. Um, that, that makes, that makes total sense to me. And it, it's absolutely right on point. And the fact that you shared that, you know, saying sorry to your five-year-old and that you shouldn't say sorry to a five-year-old is what people tell you. Um, I, I disagree with them. I, I agree with you. I think that if you're showing by your actions to your kids, when you mess up, this is what you do. Um, they model that when they get older. So they see that and they learn from that. That's learned behavior as they get older. So, um, that's awesome. That's great that you shared that. Um, well, well, look, we're, 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 yes, yes. Um, we're about out of time, but I wanted to give you an opportunity if people wanted to look you up, uh, hear a little bit more about you or your church, um, where can they find you? And also what, what new things do you guys have going on this year? Yeah. So they could go to victory.com. That's the website of our church. Um, we got that website domain back in like 1998 when internet was kind of coming around well, <laughs> website. So victory.com is our church. Um, and then if they wanted to just look up, you know, my stuff, they could go to pauldoherty.org. Um, or just go to my social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Paul Doherty is my handle. Um, and there's no little spaces or gaps or dashes. It's just the name Paul Doherty. I would say things that are coming up this year, we've got, we do a really cool, um, Broadway style Easter production that starts on a Wednesday and goes all the way through a Sunday night on the week of Easter. And it kind of shows the whole story. And, um, you know, we have people coming in from all over the world to be a part of that and watch that. And it's free and it's, it's exciting. And then we do an annual church conference that's free in August where we bring in, you know, a lot of speakers all over the world. And it's really 
geared on um, just equipping the believer to live the life God's called them to live. And so it's open to unbelievers for sure. Like it's free to anyone. Um, but it's a lot, of, there's a lot of Christians who come in, a lot of pastors, leaders, and uh, it's a week where we just pour into people. And then um, I've got a, on the side, I have a learning to lead podcast where I just share a lot of my personal stories as a pastor, as a dad, as a leader, um, about just the lessons I'm learning to become a better leader. And that's on iTunes and on YouTube, um, youtube.com slash victory Tulsa. They can find all of those videos and sermons and podcast episodes there. Cool. <clears throat> cool. Um, well, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, uh, for a few minutes. I really do. Um, sharing your dad experiences and also some stories that's, it's, it's always great to talk to individuals and hear some of the things that they're doing or some of the things that have gone on in their life that has really impacted them um, in a positive way. So, um, but I will, uh, I will pray, continue to pray for your family and also for your congregation. I'm, I, I wish you guys all the success this year. And um, I just, uh, I'm just so thankful you took the time to do that chat with me. Hey, definitely, man. Good to meet you, Brian. And thanks for having me on. And I look forward to, uh, to sharing this episode with friends. So thank you. Awesome. Awesome. If I'm ever out in, uh, out your way, I will uh, be sure to stop by your church for sure. Yes. Yes. Please do. I'd love to connect with you and get you coffee and, and get to know you better. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, pastor. You have a uh, blessed day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you again to pastor Paul for talking with me on data. He has a mission to serve God and others through his congregation and is certainly making an impact on the lives he touches. Please make sure you check out Victory and watch his sermons. His messages are inspiring and meaningful. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. And as I said before, please subscribe. It is also important to share the show with others. The only way the show continues to get noticed is if you're sharing it and talking about it with others. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for guests who would like to be a guest yourself, please let me know. You can message me on my Instagram page at Coach B. Ward or email me at dadaptribe at gmail.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. This is Dad Up.